Hello and welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey, I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to join us today where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. As the name says, our listeners are business creators, and they fall into one or more of several different categories. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers as you run your own business. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore our episodes, and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators like you. Be sure to subscribe because fresh content is added every single week directly into your iTunes player. Now today, we are going to get into a topic that I personally love. With our involvement here at Help My Website Sell with product launches and email campaigns, we find that oftentimes the most important piece of the marketing is the selling. We can talk about case studies where we've proven this. We can show engagement numbers, open rates, click-through rates, action rates, conversion rates. But really, the bottom line comes when you make that transition from storytelling to story selling. And I am so honored today to have with us none other than Sarah Greer. And to tell you a little bit about Sarah, world changing word, excuse me, world changing with words is the manifesto of Creative Custom Writing Incorporated, which is Sarah's company. She's a creative copywriter, speaker, and published author. Her focus is on helping entrepreneurs turn online lookers into buyers by making an emotional connection with persuasive writing. And along the way, Sarah has been a speaker at Social Media Week Los Angeles, and her work can be found in a national public radio, that's NPR folks, ad campaign, Open Places Travel Blog, and Los Angeles Fashion. When she's not hosting live, Unleash Your Voice workshops, giving entrepreneurs the time and space to write their own website content, she is holding online writing classes that have been taken by over 150 people in more than 15 countries. And I'm sure Sarah's going to tell me how many continents they've been on and what some of those countries are. So wherever she goes, her mission is to help entrepreneurs reveal their greatness while amplifying their voice. And all I can say is I hope that I am worthy to be in Sarah's presence. Welcome aboard. Uh, thanks, Adam. That was an awesome introduction. I appreciate you for that. Well, and I, I appreciate our association. For those who are uh, listening here, Sarah and I originally met at the Dream Business Academy event in San Diego. Uh, we had a fantastic time. We had some great conversations. And what emerged is that we really needed to share more with those of you who are looking to win at the game of business and marketing on how to use storytelling and transition that into story selling. Now, before we do that, what I want to do is I want to take a step back and give those of our listeners who may not have heard of Sarah yet a chance to get to know her a little. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit about what brought you to where you are today. Uh, Thanks, Adam. So I have been in the copywriting world for about three years full on now. But before that, I actually got started with my online writing through travel blogging. So I had a love for traveling quite a bit, and that's something Adam and I have talked about. And in 
when I was doing that traveling and I found out that I could share those stories online and people would get excited about it and it, it could be something that I actually had some award-winning articles as well, I realized that I really loved the whole online writing platform. And then the interesting thing is I read a book about becoming a copywriter. It's a book called The Well-Fed Writer. And when I read that book, it totally opened my eyes to this world of online marketing and being able to share my story and then use that story to, to sell whatever product or service it is. So I've learned, in, and since then I've worked on more than 200 projects with clients in Australia and Africa and Canada, and then also many of my clients are in the U.S. And that opportunity to work with clients on a global scale through online writing just blew my mind, and it still feeds my hunger for wanting to connect with people in other cultures. So I've been able to marry the love for travel into this online marketing and writing. So it's been a lot of fun, just this whole journey of getting to where I'm at now. You know, and I remember when we had our first dinner conversation in San Diego last month, and you told me this story. I knew we had to share it here. And it got me all excited because when I revealed to the table that there are two completely independent countries enclosed by the Republic of Italy, you knew what I was talking about. Yes, yes, they did. <laughs> yes, we have the independent state of the Vatican and the most serene Republic of San Marino. And uh, those who were present at the table know that there's an ongoing debate in terms of which one of those two countries is more awesome sauce. Um, I happen to have picked the winner. Sarah picked the loser. But uh, we'll debate that another day. Now, here in a bit, you're supposed to rebut that, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their business. Businesses. And I can hear a lot of our listeners know what's coming because we ask this on every single episode. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that any of our guest experts recommend they do, except for those two famous things, time and money. This is a question mm -hmm. we ask every expert who appears on Business Creators Radio Show. And what I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question gets interpreted. So, Sarah, how do time and money factor into the idea of storytelling as a story-selling mechanism? Yeah, so in terms of time and money, well, I mean, once you learn how to go from storytelling to story-selling, then obviously you have the potential to convert people into your customers. So that's really important. And then in terms of time, it will save you time to have a set of stories available to yourself, almost like in your tool belt, available and ready to tell, depending on who your audience is and who it is you want to attract to your business. So those are two ways that you can save yourself time and money by using story selling techniques that you already have prepared. And it's what's great about copywriting in general is that once you really hone your story, you can use it again and again in different platforms, be it on social media on your website, at live events, and then it becomes something that you can then maximize the content across different platforms. In addition to hosting the Business Creators Radio Show once a week, I'm also on other podcasts about once a week. And if there are any people out there who are my 
fans, followers, and stalkers who have been following me from one podcast to the next. Do it for a while, and you'll begin to notice I tell the same few stories again and again for that reason, because it makes me very easy, or makes it very easy for me, rather. It actually does kind of make me easy, so maybe let's let's go with that. Um, <laughs> when booking somebody to be on your podcast, to speak at your event, to be on your radio show, to present to your audience through a webinar, what have you, when you have somebody who has their stories down pat, they're very easy to book and very easy to host because they are going to be basically ready to go. I mean, other than knowing what I'm talking about, I could get booked for a podcast now and be ready to go in 15 minutes because I know that even if I don't have all my spreadsheets and my guides and everything in front of me, I've got some stories lined up and I can go back to one of those stories. Even if it's not immediately apparent when we begin the interview, I'll find a connection and I'll make it work. And I can easily fill a half hour, a half hour, whatever it is with great engaging content. And what we want to have as an outcome for people listening today is to gain some of the tools that will get you to that same place. So Sarah, if somebody has just started storytelling, or if they've been blogging and creating content for some time now, how can they find or refine their voice? That's a great question, Adam. So in terms of refining and refining your voice, I think it's really important that as you get ready to do your personal storytelling, you want to start with the basics. So the first thing you need to realize is with storytelling, it's a two-way conversation. You're the storyteller, and then hopefully your ideal client is listening. So when you start to think of things in terms of the writer and the reader, then it becomes a way where you can start to form stories that are most relevant and matter to them the most. So I think it's important to always keep in mind who's listening to your story or who do you, who do you want to attract to your story. I first heard about this actually from an author. Her name is Elizabeth Gilbert, and she's really famous. She's known for writing the book Eat, Pray, Love. And the thing is, she's written a lot of other really fantastic books. And every time she speaks at a live event, I try to go see her if she's on the West Coast. And when I see her, I always ask her, who did you write this book to? And the interesting thing is, every single one of her books is written to one particular person. And when you do that, you're no longer diluting your messaging. You're making it very clear what you're saying and who you're saying it to. And that's how you attract the right people to your story. So just from the beginning getting your story set up and framed, you need to start thinking about who specifically do I want to talk to and how can I position this story to make it relevant to them. All right. So creative writing blocks. This is where it gets interesting. I find I'll be going about my daily life. I'll be at the gym. I'll be out in the swimming pool, neck deep up to my neck in water when it's hot enough to do so. I'll be taking a walk. I'll be doing other things. And suddenly a great story or a great content idea pops into my mind. And I try to find a way to write it down or or make a recording to myself. And sometimes I lose the piece of paper I wrote it on or I don't know where the recording was stored, so I end up losing it anyway. And when it comes time to actually sit down and write something or create something, I find myself thinking, what was that great idea that I had two weeks ago? Where is it? Where is it? And that's a function of having creative writing blocks. So what are some techniques that our listeners can adapt to help release those creative writing blocks? Yeah, so I like to actually, I'm a huge fan of using my phone to record my ideas, but I've taken it 
a little bit further than that. So if you open up your phone and you go to your apps and you add an app called Google Drive, you can then open a new doc in Google Drive and record yourself. And the cool thing is if you hit the microphone on your phone, it will then record and transcribe what it is you're saying. So it's great to record your voice, but if you could have an instant transcription of what you're saying, I think that will help you quite a bit and you can organize it in Google Docs so that you can access it from anywhere. I found that's been a huge help to people to get past their writing blocks. And also, again, it's that two-way conversation. So some people, when they sit down, let's say you're sitting down to write your about page and you don't know where to start your story, I would say consider having a friend interview you. Sometimes your answers come out way more naturally if you have somebody else in the room helping you out versus just you and the screen that can feel kind of lonely and sometimes block you from wanting to do the writing. And then in terms of like just as the example, the about page, it really helps if you start with the most surprising part of your story. So for me earlier, I had talked about travel blogging. And so not everybody had thought, oh, you can actually share your stories online about traveling and it's interesting. So that often catches pe people's attention. And then start with your surprising part of the story and then let the rest of the story flow out of you. I think that helps quite a bit just to jumpstart the process and get you engaged in doing the writing and then you can just keep going from there. And then the last little bit that I like to tell people is write the whole draft without editing yourself because when you let the ideas just flow out instead of trying to edit as you go and make it perfect, nothing comes out perfect the first time. It's a first draft for a reason. You've got to give yourself some wiggle room to just get the ideas out and know that you can go back and clean it all up after you've completed your first draft. You're doing such a fantastic job here. You're giving us so much great information and we're still so early into this process here that we actually have room to slow down a little bit, which is great because you mentioned the writing of your about page for your website. And that is one of the most challenging things that we see happen, uh, whether we, through our copywriting services that we do, we're writing the about page or I'm doing a website review and I see somebody's about page, I'm thinking, eh. <laughs> I mean, and then, and, then, and then you try and point it out to them. And uh, the most common thing that I hear is, well, I don't really know what to write. I don't know how to be engaging. Uh, and the first thing I want to pull out is that surprising thing about yourself. So what are some of the, and you don't have to name names if you don't want to, but what are some of those surprising things you've encountered over the years? I want to give our listeners sort of a scope and a range of where they can go with this. Sure, yeah. So I think just looking at your own past lifestyle and then pulling out the pieces that are fun and, and interesting that you feel like is something that makes you unique. So I'll use myself again as the first example. So, and I did want to mention one thing before I tell you this example. When most people don't realize that the about page is the, the most visited page of small businesses. So if you go back and look at, you know, what pages do people visit first and where do they spend their most time? For a small business, it's the about page. So this really is a page that you shouldn't overlook. And there's even some strategies that we can talk about that 
often people forget to include on this page, and they think it's just a place to get information, but it's also a place to start engaging and um, building a following right away because you know they're going to visit that page because they want to know more about your business. But another example I can give you is I used to work in the museum industry. I used to install art. And so a lot of people wouldn't expect a copywriter to say, well, before this, I was installing art and travel blogging by night. So all those little things that you've experienced throughout your life are ways for you to engage your reader, hook them in, and make them more interested in who you are. So that's one example. Another example of a client of mine that has an interesting history, and we use that to jumpstart her story, is the singer-songwriter Chrisette Michelle. She's pretty well known in the soul and R&B world. And what's surprising about her story is that she did something very brave on her about page when we worked on it together. She told us about how the music industry is not what it's always made out to be. A lot of people think that it's a place where the music industry controls the artist and they don't have freedom for creativity. And she said there's some of that. It's not entirely false, but there's also a lot of other things about the music industry that are great. So I really liked how she brought this candid, or I guess she shined this candid light on what it's really like to work in the music industry and learning how to be, I guess, fill her role within that world. And it was, I have to tell you, it was something that I never thought I would be writing about. Right. And yet it was so fun to share that story and, and help her express that story because she's had it inside of her for so long. That right there is what I want our listeners to capture which is you never really know what it is about what you do that other people could find interesting. I've discovered as I've gotten much more popular on the podcast circuit and I've been doing so many more of these interviews as a result of having hosted the Business Creators Radio Show for almost two years, some of the things that just come back from the past that you think are things from ancient history, but they reemerge and they become part of your story that become very interesting and sometimes it's good things, and sometimes it's things that were not so good, or maybe it wasn't your finest hour, and how you translate that into your story. Have you ever seen any of those, where people take that moment that wasn't exactly their finest hour and use it as a hook for creating the story? Yeah, I think it's, you know, turning something that could be, I've definitely worked with clients like that. And it's one of them would be a, a mutual friend of ours, actually, Michelle Summers Cologne, who owns right. 34 Minute Shoes. Of course. So her shoe line, when we, we would write her story and talk about it um, within the press, one of the stories that they really wanted to cover and wanted to know more about and found engaging and interesting was that she started her shoe line overseas. She started the production in Spain, but what she did, she was able to turn tragedy into triumph. So, I mean, it's good to keep in mind that if you're going to take that angle where something didn't work out in the beginning, that you want to end it having a positive note, right? You want them to buy, not cry, so to speak. Right. <laughs> 
So for her story, she started the production in Spain and she found it was way too hard to manage her shoe line overseas and it just wasn't working out. And then now she, everywhere she goes, she touts that she's made in USA and she's actually made right here in Los Angeles. She goes to the factory and she's able to run her brand the way she sees fit from her own backyard and then bring more jobs into the U.S. So that's a great example of going from tragedy to triumph and using what could have been a complete debacle and then using that to fuel your story and get people interested in what it is you have to offer. And I don't know anybody who doesn't want to support a shoe company that's made in the USA. So. I, I certainly want to. It almost makes me want to be a woman. <laughs> so what the listeners might not know is 34 Minute Shoes is a high heel, sexy comfort, high heel line. So that's why Adam's now decided he wants to be a woman. Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't say I've made the decision. I, I just said sometimes it makes me wish because I look at that oh, we website go. and I see all those designs. I'm thinking, why not me? Why can't men have designs this sexy? Why? Just why? 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 Now, what I've discovered uh, has been very effective for me in terms of my storytelling. And this is particularly in front of audiences around self-improvement, entrepreneurial success, the inner game of entrepreneurial success. As I tell the story of the day I smashed my printer into 500,000 pieces. Uh, nice. Short version is that I had gotten myself in uh, sort of a pickle with my business. Now, you know how we all sometimes have that one client from hell that while they're with us, they're sort of like a dark cloud that hovers over our day and we, <laughs> and we, and it seems no matter what we do, that cloud just never seems to want to pass. Imagine having three of them all at once. Oh no. And imagine them, and ima- imagine them ha- being, uh, generally speaking, the types of clients that clients from hell call clients from hell. Oh, geez. It was to the point where I create a separate internal email account to communicate with my team members with so I could at least have an hour of peace before I check the email cl- account the clients knew about and went through all of the deliberately timed midnight bombs they dropped on me to ruin my morning. And uh, there was this one, there was this, and it got to the point where I was so frustrated with how my life was going. And this is a morning where I had run out of food, basically, in my apartment. So I ate toothpaste for breakfast and then got sucked into the maelstrom of something or other. And when I had a rare moment, there was this piece of, there's this document I had to print off and scan for my accountant who really needed to send it to some state or federal agency. I can't remember what the details were, but I knew it was something along those lines. So I so I I pulled up the document, I electronically signed it, and I clicked print. And next thing you know, halfway through the print job, my printer decides to tell me that it ran out of ink. And I'm thinking, oh. I'm thinking, number one, I don't have breakfast food. When am I supposed to get ink? Number two, uh, number two, you could have told me you were out of ink before you started printing. And number three, you have now cost me a piece of paper that I don't have time to replace. So I stopped what I was doing, and let's just say that two years later, when I moved into a much nicer apartment, I was still finding pieces of that printer. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild. Right, so right. How did that? Right. Basically, what happened is I ended up uh, doing an emergency nine one one session with my with my business coach at the time, and we put in place some strategies. And to keep a long story short, within three weeks, I was out of that situation. 
one, one oh, of the, yeah, one of the clients I just fired outright, and she came back begging for forgiveness. So I agreed to forgive her if she gave me more money. So we got her done. Um, the another one uh, just changed his tune. And we ended up doing really great work together. And in fact, he later hired us for another launch and it went great. Uh, so you know, we made that one work positively. And then there was a third client that there was just no way we were getting around it. And eventually, uh, eventually, after repeatedly ignoring me when I said the words to him, you're fired, he finally fired himself. So uh, within three weeks, I was in a situation where the birds were chirping and I could see the sun again. Now, the reason I tell this story and this is why I like to tell this story is because the epiphany I had is I looked down on the floor at the remains of my printer that had the nerve to waste a piece of paper on me is that this was a really, Sarah, would you agree this is a very awful day I was having? Yes, I would it, agree it was, it was It was bad enough that it was bad enough that I took $250 worth of equipment and just bounced it off my floor repeatedly. <laughs> however, yeah, that was however, However, what I had as an entrepreneur that day is I had a choice and I had an opportunity. I was able to look at that situation and say, you know, this really sucks. I don't enjoy this. This is not what I want in my business. This is not what I want in my life. And the good news is, is because I'm the captain of my own ship, I can start making changes right this minute that will start to yeah. send things back in the right direction. And I did exactly that. Now, for those who don't have the entrepreneurial control, who, are, who work for companies that may not be the greatest companies out there, some are great and some are not so great, and I've experienced both before I became an entrepreneur, you could be in a situation where not only does somebody get to drive you that crazy, but you have to thank them for doing so. Right. I've been there too. So that so I point I point that out. So no matter how challenging it can be some days as an entrepreneur, no matter how difficult it can be having that client from hell that believe me, no matter what story you tell, the person next to you has a story that's even worse. So you know, hang in there, it's gonna be okay. Uh, no matter what, there is sunshine behind that cloud and you will see it again, and you have the power to get the wind blowing to move that cloud. Yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I love that story. That's a great one. And I think, you know, as entrepreneurs, I always try to tell people the honest truth about it. It's not all rainbows, lollipops. And yes, there are amazing times. And I'm glad that, you know, we have the power to find the silver lining. And I think people in a regular job do as well. They're just a little more confined when it comes to their time. But I would not give up the control of my brand for right. and being able to make those types of decisions like you did with your clients. And also just the creative control of my brand. I would never give up the ability to own my online presence, grow it how I see fit. Those types of things are just, there's nothing better than being able to make those types of choices for my business. And nobody can tell me what types of stories I can tell. Like that's yes. entirely up to me. That's the other beauty part of having the power of storytelling that turns into story selling or transitions into story selling is you do have control over that story. I, I could tell the story of smashing my printer any way I wanted to. I, and I could apply that to pretty much any context. And for those who may be listening, who may be thinking, why would you admit that you destroyed a piece of property? I mean, what does that say about your temperament? What does that say about your emotions? I'll tell you exactly what that says about my temperament and my emotions. It says that I have them. And rather than deny them, I embrace them. And it makes me a better person. 
and a better business owner. Yes, definitely. I think there's a lot of humanity to being an entrepreneur. Like you're reminded of your humanity quite often. <laughs> yes, yes, for better or worse. And you celebrate the better and you and you spot yourself the worse and you keep moving is what you what you do. So I uh, well, <laughs> go ahead. And I think too, it's like that's the best part about writing for online presence. Like when you're writing somebody's about home you get to be that, you speak to your highest self, right? Like that's what's so fun about it is you get to show people your highlights of who you are. And so I just really appreciate that. And then showing them also the other side of you is good too, I think. It shows that you're a whole human being and there's both sides to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the least bit ashamed of it. And if any of those clients from hell are listening and think I'm talking about you and you want to ask me if I'm talking about you, if you are, I will tell you because, <laughs> uh, because it was a, it was a very formative experience. And I think as a result, a lot of people got helped from it. Uh, it, it's a great story for listeners. It's a great story for my business. And it's a very important part of my evolution, not only as a businessman, but as a man. So I'm not going to yeah. run from this. Now, everybody who's been listening to Sarah and I for the past 10 minutes or so, you've probably heard some of the emotion in our voices. Um, you've heard how our inflections ride along with the story. You've probably heard some of the lows and some of the highs as I told my stories. So when you have a verbal component, when you have a video and, a, and an audio component to the story that you're telling, it can be very powerful. Sometimes when I have to deliver challenging news uh, to a client or to a prospect or to um, a person, and I know that the words could get misinterpreted, I will find five, a way to get on the phone with them for five minutes. And I'll just say, you know, this is something I could have emailed, but I wanted you to hear the sincerity in my voice, and I wanted you to hear where this was going. Um, and, I, and I find that that helps to solve a lot of problems. But many of our listeners are dealing with their audiences through emails, through sales letters, through other types of written mediums, which could also be printed brochures or handouts or one sheets. So when you're in the digital space, how can you create those emotional connections when all we, pe all we see are the words? Yeah, I think it's so important to keep that emotional um, tone going, even when it's only you know digital space and they're looking at the words online. And so the best way to create these emotional connections is really going deeper on why you created your business. So we used the about page earlier as an example. And one of the best stories you can tell on that page is why did you choose to create your business, but not just on the surface. Well, I, the first answer you'll get on the surface is I wanted to make more money. Well, we're, we all want to make money because that lends us a certain amount of freedom in our lifestyle. So that's clear and pretty much everybody can agree with that. But if you go a little bit deeper, what was the reason behind you wanting to start your business? And you start to ask yourself, you know, what was your inspiration? So if we use Michelle as an example, again, for 34 minute shoes, she wanted to break the 34 minute barrier when that's the average time women are usually um, when they, I'm sorry, that's the average time that it takes for them to become uncomfortable in their heels. Right. Because you want to break that barrier for women. So that's an awesome inspiration and a deeper why. Like, she doesn't believe women have to be in pain, whether they're going out at night or 
if they're in the boardroom. Either way, she feels like they should be feel more empowered by their shoes instead of just being in pain from them. So there's that deeper connection of how you can also use that to engage with your audiences. If you ask yourself beyond just the money or the surface, why did you create your business? And actually someone who teaches this that I love is um, Simon Sinek. And if you watch his TED video, he talks about inspired leaders and he talks about getting to that emotional core of why you created your business. And he also says that's really what people are buying. They're not buying whatever it is you're selling. They're selling, they're buying the story behind what you're selling. So it's good to keep in mind and to start asking yourself, why do you create the business? Go deeper. And then how will that person feel once they connect with that deeper why in your business? Are they going to share that experience that you wanted them to? And that when you start to describe that and put that into a story and, and massage it into your business, that's when you'll start to see the biggest difference in people making that emotional connection. There, there is something I'm going to have to do here. We're a little over halfway through, so hopefully this will this will keep for 30 more minutes. Is I need to fill a gallon bottle with water and send it to Dr. Michelle Summers Cologne. God, her ears must be burning. We're talking about her. Yes. What's also what's also great about 34 minute shoes to continue that example is Dr. Cologne is a podiatrist. So she has seen beyond uh, women's heels starting to feel pain after 34 minutes wearing the high heels, some of the longer term effects that can have uh, on the physiology of the lower half of a woman because it goes you know above the ankles because it affects the, the calf muscles and all types of things just because of the bend of the ankle. So some of the science behind creating high heels has a longer range health effect than just simply, you know, not being sore after standing there for 34 minutes and there's a passionate connection there too as well because she wants to create something that's going to be better for her clients of her podiatry practice in the long run as well so there's actually kind of a double passion which makes it doubly exciting so good thing she has two ears <laughs> now <laughs> now let's take this uh, let's take this digital thing just a little bit further and uh, I want to get a little bit into digital literacy because you know full well that I mean you've seen web pages you've seen emails where you know you're trying to read this thing and you can't comprehend the word that's being said because it just drones on and on and on and on and eight point times new roman font and paragraph after paragraph uh and it just goes on you see you, you go three pages and there's finally a paragraph break and there are no sub headlines or anything like that and uh you're thinking looking back 12 pages later and you're saying what did i just read there's certainly not going to be any emotional connection there. And our listeners heard how I lowered my voice to an almost imperceptible level because that's the impact that digital language is going to have on you if it's not structured properly. So what can we do in terms of digital literacy to make the stories more impactful and make them jump out more? Yeah, I think in terms of layout of what you're writing, it is important to realize that with copywriting, it's when you read online, it's completely different than when you're reading a book because yes. the way people consume information online is a whole different psychological mindset. And so a lot of readers, so there's actually four types of personalities, and this is something unique to my copywriting business. I haven't seen anybody else use this. So because we're going for that emotional connection and you want a layout that's snappy and easy to read and easy to scan, the reason that the pages are more well-received when it's 
you know, like one sentence paragraphs and very easy to read with broken up subheaders is there's the, there's four, as I mentioned, four personality types. So there's reds, greens, blues, and yellows. So the reds are the scanners. They want things quick, fast, they're, and just as far as their personality, they're great leaders. And they're also really good at starting projects, horrible at finishing them, just, you know, generally speaking. And so when they come onto your site, they actually don't, they want to do as little reading as possible. They just want to read a few subheaders. If they like what they see, most likely they'd rather get you on the phone than sit there and fill out anything that you ask them to fill out because right. that's their personality type. And then the second color is the blues. So the blues are super driven by graphics. They love really beautiful images and photography. So, and they like colorful, they like to look at colorful images as well. So they will look at the language, but they're more focused on the images. So one thing you may not hear from all copywriters is the pictures can often be as important as the words. Yes, you need the strong wording to back up the photos, but the photos are what drive blues to look at your site and what keeps them on the page. So keep that in mind. With And then they also love really... Um, I, I don't know how to describe the language, but they like being called beautiful and darling. So they just like that warm language that draws them in. And not everybody would think that a business site would speak like that, but the way that marketing is evolving, if that's your ideal client, you can now do that. It's 2015. It's okay to call your client beautiful, darling, gorgeous, if you're in the right market and you're positioning it to the right audience. So that's one thing to keep in mind with the blues. And then with the greens, they are super detail-oriented. They're the ones who will actually read every part of your site, and they love to read. They love lists. They love details. And the more you give them, the better. And if you have an opt-in form on your site, like they'll fill it out. And if you leave an open-ended question, they're the ones who write you three paragraphs <laughs> because they just <laughs> want to engage. That's how they are. So those are the greens. And then the yellows are the last ones. They're the social butterflies. They are more into text. They're, I, when I say text, they like to text on their phone versus using opt-in forms or anything like that. But they're always the fun one at the party. They light everything up and they have a good time. And so when they go on your site, they're not really going to read too in-depth on what you have. And if there's any way they can meet you in person, they would probably prefer that as your client. So if you have... You know, if you want to market to all four colors, then if it's possible to give them an opportunity to connect with you in whatever way they like, so by phone for the reds, the opt-ins for the greens, um, they want to fill out a form, and then the blues probably prefer to be in person as well, and the yellows as well. So keep that in mind when you're writing, you know, even an about page or a sales page on your site that there's different color personalities and depending on how you want to position your business, you can then choose to attract them based on understanding the psychology behind how they read your page. You know, although your colors and your model are not, don't follow the exact same pattern and they correspond to different things, we have the red, the blue, the yellow, and the green – in Tony yeah. Alessandro's Platinum Role, where we have the director, the socializer, the relator, and the thinker. Yes, very close. 
Yes, exactly. yes. And and when when you gave me the descriptions of the four colors, although your colors don't correspond exactly to Alessandra's, I could tell just in your four descriptions which one is the director, which one is the relator, which one is the thinker, and which one is the socializer. In fact, as soon as you said blue, red, yellow, green, I went and pulled out my Alessandra paperwork and I was reading it while you were describing that. So when we study oh, cool. personalities in quadrants and we recognize uh, that uh, we have the indirects and the directs and the opens and the guardeds like Alessandra's, Sandra would describe and if you also want to think introvert extrovert and you want to think um, you want to think direct and indirect I mean there's different ways you can look at this but when you look at personalities and quadrants and you apply a model like that and you understand who it is you're writing for who you're telling the story to this can give you some great insights in terms of how to make it more engaging when you're going through a digital format you're I mean you're right when you describe the person who if you were to have people enter their name an email address and then send them then then start sending them emails they're going to start wanting to respond to every single one of them and if you send out an email in your email sequence that says hey got any questions you know the one that's supposed to lead people to sign up for a free consult uh they will write back to you and they will list their questions yes exactly <laughs> and once you and answer them they will have more questions for you Totally, yes. So the good thing about that is when you start to understand these different color personalities and you already identify them before you start working with them, then you know how to deal with them accordingly. So on my sales page, I make it really easy for me to figure out what color they are before I ever start engaging with them on selling them on the service because I want to know that so that I know how they work best. Right. And once you understand that about the person you're miles ahead of you know having a successful business relationship just from understanding their personality before you start working together yes now um once we create this emotional connection we've done the work we've had our fun because this is really a fun thing to do when you think about it and we make that emotional connection with our listeners, our viewers, our prospects, our fans, and our followers. The next thing we want to do is looking at creating a movement and building a loyal, fanatically devoted tribe. So once you make this connection, how do you go about doing that? How do you turn your message into a movement? So I think in terms of turning your message into a movement, it's really important to start listening to your audience. And even, Adam, what you said just a few minutes ago about having an email sequence and asking them if they have any questions and letting them write back to you, it's really important to start listening to your customer base and finding out what it is they want more of and then creating an identity for them to become a part of at that point. So I had talked about Chrisette Michelle being a singer-songwriter, and she wrote an album, and one of the songs was called Rich Hipster Nation. So without any of her marketing effort at all, an entire group of or collective of people online started talking about and calling themselves the Rich Hipster Nation. So now... By her paying attention and reading online forums, she figured out that there was a collective of people who really identified with that. And she went and made an entire business around it. And so that's where her site was born, where her and I worked together. We created the richhipster.biz site that allowed her to then create a place for the Rich Hipster Nation people to gather to learn more about the culture 
And so that they're defining the culture and, and they're identifying with that culture, but she's also now the, the leader in that culture. So I think it's really important to see the common threads between your customer base, listen to what they're saying, and then create a movement for them to that they would want to be a part of or that they're already starting to form on their own and you just take the reins and become the leader of that group. That's great. So what about... On a related topic, when we have entrepreneurs who want to turn the online lookers into buyers, once we make that emotional connection. So let's say that we've made the emotional connection, whether it's through our sales copy, through our about page. And by the way, you know, you made me think about it. When I look at a company's website, I tend to go straight to the about page. Um, yeah, just to, yeah. In, light, in light of recent events, I found myself on Donald Trump's website the other day. And even though I know full well who the guy is and I have five of his books sitting on my bookshelf and I've looked up to him since I was 11, what do you think is the first page I looked at? <laughs> <laughs> the about page, <laughs> and, and 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 at least as of when we're doing this interview, he now has two websites. He has the one for the Trump Enterprises, and now he has a separate presidential campaign website. They both have about pages, and wouldn't it be just so funny? You know who the guy is, and that's the first thing you look at because you want to see what he effectively says about himself. Uh, and I find out when I look at consulting firm websites, when I look at local business type websites, when I look at professional practices such as medical, dental, accountancy, attorney, something like that, I'm, I'm looking to find who are these people behind us. And if there's a team, I want to see the team page because I want to know who the team are. And if they're one of those zany type entrepreneurs, they include their cat as a member of the team. <laughs> Right. So I, I had to go off on a little tangent there, but back to what I was saying is, uh, what? how are we going to use storytelling to make our sales letters convert better, basically, is what I'm coming down to. So that's an interesting question. I like that you asked that. So in terms of the sales page, I think what might be overlooked in some cases or an opportunity to tell a story that people may not see is, looking at your own lifestyle and creating a brand experience around that. So I actually really like if I go to a sales page and instead of it being the typical, and I'm not trying to make any shots at anybody who has this on their sales page. There's nothing wrong with it. I just think that marketing is taking a turn in a different direction. So a lot of times they will have the gold membership, the platinum membership, the silver. But to me, if you have gold, silver, platinum memberships, that could be anybody's brand. I could stick that on anybody's brand and, and it wouldn't be anything unique or something different about them. Right. So to me, you're not really establishing much of a connection and that's an opportunity to do it. So for example, if you go on my sales page for my copywriting services, everything is themed around travel and vacation. So one of the packages is the summer vacay, another one's the honeymoon, and then the third one's the weekend warrior. So that's a fun way to relate my history with travel into my current brand. So I encourage people to do that for their own brands because you've experienced things in your life that make you unique. That's what we've been talking about on a lot of this call. Start to tap into those and use them to theme your sales page. And then people will start to remember you as somebody who's different and standing out. And so once you start to stand out, people will want to be a part of that because you're no longer trying to sell them on your service or product. Instead, you're inviting them into your brand experience. So that's the subtle shift that I think you could do with your marketing right away that would be 
a fun way for people to engage with your brand instead of it just feeling like the same old, same old situation. You could try something new and see how people engage and if they like it. I was told once, and this popped into my brain while you're telling me this, and that's all great information, thank you, is I was conducting a website review for somebody about four years ago, and I was looking at their sales page uh, that sold an information product. And I, it was one of those types of things where you, you pay for it, and then a week later you get a binder with a bunch of discs in the mail, basically. So it was one of those types of information products. And I was, and as part of my review process, I asked her where she came up with the idea of the pricing, because one of the points of the review was help me sell this product. Now, there were two issues. First of all, she had never launched the product. She just put it up on her website and sent one email to her list and thought that that was going to lead to sales. <laughs> no, uh, that's the first piece. <laughs> the second, uh, so, so one of my recommendations to her was to, well, you know, you haven't launched it yet, so take the page down now and do a real launch. She didn't, but had she, she would have turned her business around, in my personal opinion, because she had a very responsive list. She had really good open and click-through rates. I was very impressed by that. Um, on the other hand, uh, I then asked her where she came up with the pricing for her product. Mm -hmm. And since she hadn't launched it, she hadn't really put it in front of an audience. And now she was coming to me wanting to know what text changes she could make that would magically make this thing fly off the shelves. I asked her where she came up with the idea that she should be charging $497 for it. And she said, well, my, my coach told me that because it has one binder, five video DVDs, and three audio CDs, because of that combination, it's a $497 product. I'm thinking, really? <laughs> I really don't think that that makes it worth $497 because I could record five videos of me singing to myself, three audios of me humming to myself, and I could and I could put a transcript in that just has the phrase, this is the book that never ends over and over and over again. And by that logic, that's worth $497. So you tell me, Sarah, how can we use storytelling to raise the price of our products? So when I do cost comparisons on the sales page, that's the best way. And I don't know if you would necessarily call it story um, storytelling at that point, but you could make it feel like more of a story in the terms that if you have a product or a service that you're offering and you're going to save somebody X amount of hours, then you ask them, you know, what is five hours of your life worth to you? Because that's what I'm going to save you with this service or product. So then you ask them to value their time. You could also tell them, you know, if they hired somebody on their own to do what it is you're offering in this, you know, out of the box solution, how many, how much would they spend to hire somebody to do it on their own? So you're cutting costs for them and right. then you can do a side by side comparison. That's usually how I would, you know, show them a way to raise their price. And then at that point, like if you want to go to an even higher price point, if you already have something you're selling, let's say for $4.97 and you want to take it up to $9.97, well, then you have to more, build more value into the, the product or the service that you're selling. So you have to show them, again, it's, you can go line by line. How many hours am I saving you? And then also... How much would it cost you to do this on your own? And I'm giving you access to it. And that's how you build your value. To me, that's much a much more effective way of building your value versus just saying, well, because somebody told me <laughs> right. that it was worth that. 
so I think those are things to, to keep in mind when you're looking to sell somebody on the overall value of what it is you're offering. You've really got to show them a cost comparison because that's when they start to see it. And also really talk about the benefits. And I guess it, the storytelling aspect of that would be to really walk in their shoes with the copy and the language that you use so that they feel like they're experiencing what it is you have to offer. So, for example, if you offer, trying to think of a good product to talk about, if you offer an SEO um, search engine optimization package to someone, what will it mean for their business? Can they then expect to drive more traffic to their site? And what will that feel like to their business? Why is it important for them to drive traffic to their site? Will that turn into more business for them or more business relationships? All those things you can start to build a story around and really show them what it would feel like to have your solution in their hands. I think that's great. Now, let me uh, let, let's have a little bit of fun here. Uh, in fact, I'm going to. Uh, we have a like three extra minutes here. So what I want to do is I want to reach into my mailbag and pull out a question or two that some of our listeners submitted because they saw you're going to be on our show. Um, that exact thing that you just described. How would you apply that to somebody who is offering a course or offering a solution around finding your mate, whether we're looking at it from a dating perspective, a find your love match perspective, or a pickup perspective? I love this. So if they were, I guess, would they be a relationship coach? Would that be fair to say? Pick, Pick the one that works best for you. Okay. So how would they tell a story around selling an opportunity to be with their dream soulmate. Is that right. what you're talking about? Well, 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 yeah, yeah, that and how to make whatever price that course or that coaching session is feel like peanuts in comparison to the money they're losing by not investing. Oh, yeah. So I think in terms – this is awesome. I love it. So if, if a, someone was offering, let's say, an hour's worth of coaching to help them find their true – find the one for them – I think that they could tell them how many years have you spent alone or uh, how many years another, and I don't know how far we could take this. This would be where I would kind of soundboard things off the client to make sure they would be okay going this far. But um, how many years have they sat at the Thanksgiving table with no partner by their side and how uncomfortable was that and how can they start to get that back in their life so they don't have to feel uncomfortable anymore. So that's like a visual language, right? Like you're showing them what it actually feels like to be in their shoes. And a lot of that language will come from surveys. If you actually survey your client base and ask what are the pain points for them and then uh, ask them, how would it feel instead of having no one with you for the holidays? How would it feel to have a partner by your side and, Maybe their dream is to go on a vacation to the, what is it, the Republic of San Marino for Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> and you could walk them through that whole experience. So just showing them those two things side by side and then how they would feel to have that in their life. And also, I think one thing you could speak towards in terms of relationships is it's not just about 
having that partner. It's what it will do for you and everyone else in your life around you. It has a ripple effect. It helps not just you, but other people who are surrounding you as well. So in a, in a certain light, you could say that by fixing or finding the relationship that you want, you're also helping to create positive planetary change. <laughs> You know, you know, and I've seen a, I've seen a similar example in the pickup industry, uh, where the comparison is made between how much it costs to go on a date, between the dry cleaning, the clothes, uh, you know, having the car detailed, the expensive dinner, the two tickets to the Broadway show, uh, the price associated with that romantic walk at the most uh, you know nice part of the city, you know, the, the flowers, the roses, the chocolates, uh, the, the after club and all these other things. And that at that point, it still feels like, well, that's a little less than purchasing your course. And then you ask the question, how many times have you had to go, go through all that to, you know, succeed? And it's right. Like, With no oh, result. Yeah. Oh, oh, so you mean I could have three times or five times the success and not even have to spend money? Oh, suddenly things go. get pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's a good example. I love right. it. Yeah, that, 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 that's an analogy that's frequently used in the, in the pickup industry. And I even wrote a chart like that once for a client. And it gets very interesting. I mean, you think that uh, just going out on a date with somebody is not that big a deal. But that money starts to add up real quick if you go fall into that dating thing and then and then and when you call it a date the person that has out their checklist like are you my dream person let's see number one number two uh number three you're out uh, you're not it so so i'll gladly let you buy me dinner but don't expect any return calls when you call me the next day it ain't happening so what if you could so what if you could set all that aside is, is the point now i just wanted to you know kind of end on that because i thought that'd be a lot of fun we have about three minutes left here and I want to leave one of those minutes for you so you can share with our listeners how they can engage further with you because I, I trust that we've inspired somebody to want to take action on this and turn their storytelling into story selling. I love it yeah and by the way that last point that we talked about I have to say you can clearly tell I'm married because I don't even think about all that stuff right. anymore. <laughs> Okay, so if listeners want to connect with me, I actually have a free copy course where they can learn how to make an emotional connection and turn online lookers into buyers. And I made a special link for your listeners. So if they go to sarahgreer.com slash business creators, then they can access the free course. And it's a workshop that will help them lay the foundation for their brand and their about page. And also it talks about why your brand is more than a logo and you receive a guidebook that will give you actionable steps to serve as that lens for telling your story. So I'm super excited to share that with your audience. Yep. Logos are fun and you can do all kinds of subliminal things with logos. You can read articles about some of the things that are incorporating the designs we don't even recognize like the FedEx logo is designed to create the idea of forward movement you have to study it a certain way you'll notice all the arrows buried within it uh, it's just one example the golden arches for McDonald's they also have a meaning uh, they didn't just come up with the idea of making the M because of the McDonald's brothers there's a reason behind those golden arches look it up it's a very specific reason and a lot of other logos too and 
But in the end, logos and color swatches and all that are a function of branding, but they themselves are not the brand. Ultimately, it's the story behind the, the, the figurehead of the organization, the movement or whatever it is that sells. Yeah, I agree. And also it's interesting because your brand really is the story that people say when you're not in the room. That was from the CEO of Amazon, and I think it's so true. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we are at the top of the hour. Uh, Sarah Greer, thank you very much for taking time out of your very busy life to hang out with us, you know, to slum it with us down here at the Business Creators Radio Show. It has been an honor and an education. Oh, thank you, Adam. I appreciate your time. <laughs> for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.